I'm going to teach on faith. Pastor Randy said you can do whatever you want to do. He's been teaching you on prayer. Well, I'm going to teach you on faith because I was going to teach on prayer. I can do that too. But that's not the direction that the Lord would have me to go. Of course, you all know I've said before with my testimony that um, in August of 2016, I come to the realization that I needed faith. I grew up in church. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. I grew up in denomination, but we knew that faith was the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We even had a little chant that went along with that because our youth group went through this period of time where we memorized all these Bible verses, and we say, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The end. So we didn't get a real good grounding of what real faith was because faith for me growing up was, well, sometimes God does, sometimes God doesn't, sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no. You know, there's, there's really no mixing of faith in that at all. There's no teaching of faith in that. So I didn't really know what faith was. So I was living with my mom and I was laying in the bed and actually... I find this, the Lord prompted me, I remembered a couple weeks ago, I was here in June when Dr. Jacobs was here in June of 2016. And I was standing right over there. I have a really good memory. I was standing right over there, and Diane was standing beside me, and he prayed for me, and he said, something just left you. And I remember from that time on that, Things were a little freer for me. You know, I, I'd always, I grew up in church. I was saved. I was filled with the Spirit. But I was not demonstrating faith or living in the power of God that faith teaches. So I was laying in the bed at my mom's. I was still working full time. I was working five to six days a week. Most of the times, those 12-hour shifts straight in a row. So whenever I was not at work, I was in the bed. Because at that point, I was not eating food. I was drinking nutritional drinks as much as I possibly could. Some days I got down four. Most days I got down two or three, which wasn't very much. So whenever I wasn't working, I was pretty much in the bed. So I was laying in the bed, and I was looking at my phone, looking on Facebook, and I was meditating on the Lord, and I said, I was praying. I said, God, I said, you know, I come across that story of the woman with the issue of blood. And I said, God, you know the woman with the issue of blood in the Bible? That's me. That's me. But I have not been healed. I've been believing that I was going to be healed. You know, all these this things started in 2005, but I didn't really start believing I was going to be healed until it got really, really bad in 2010, and I lost 60 pounds in four months and couldn't eat. Um, kind of bounced back from that and went back and forth with that for a while. But I, I'm like, I don't know. It says that her faith made her whole, but what is faith? What does she have that I did that I don't have? I believe, you're, I believe you will heal me at some point. Well, that's not faith. That's unbelief. I didn't know that. So... 
I really started digging into the word and I said, God, I said, I'm just asking you to put somebody in my path, put some materials in my path, put some, you know, help me to understand, help me whenever I read the word to understand it more clearly. I have got to know, I have got to have faith. Because even at that point, I knew that if I didn't have faith to be healed, I was going to die. I was a nurse. I knew what not having the ability to eat. I knew that even though there was 25 vitamins and minerals in those nutritional drinks, that was not doing me any good because I was burning probably 3,000 calories more than I could ever take in. And I was fighting feeding tube and all of that at that time as well. The doctor wanted me to do it and I said, no, I don't think so. So he I was looking on Facebook. I seen a trailer for John Bevere's book, Good or God. Now, I love John Bevere. I love Lisa Bevere, and I've, I've read a lot of their material and, and um, more of Lisa's than I have his. But I saw the trailer for Good or God. We could, I could download it for free onto Kindle, the first three chapters, so I thought, well, I'll try it. I mean, it just hit me. I mean, it just, like, jumped off at, out of Facebook into my hearing. So I downloaded the first three chapters, and I read the first three chapters, and I said, i got to have this book. That was the first material reading that I read that was completely and totally biblically based, and it was very simple to understand that began teaching me how to have faith. So how do we get faith? And I'm going to read a little bit from Brother Hagin's book, prevailing faith um, he said if God demands we have faith when it is impossible for us to have faith we have a right to challenge his justice but if he places within our hands the means whereby faith can be produced then the responsibility rests with us whether or not we have faith that's our part well see way back then I didn't know that I had a part we all know God has a part. We're taught God's part all the time. But we're not always taught that we have a part. So God has told us without faith it is impossible to please him, Hebrews eleven six. But he also told us how to get faith. If we don't have faith, it's not God's fault. To blame God for our lack of faith is nothing but ignorance, which is true. God has provided the way whereby everyone can have faith. But how do you get faith? Romans 10, 8 through 10 says, But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So without faith, we can't believe. We have to believe in order to have salvation. So... For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And how then shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Yes. 
So the word preached, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but you've got to hear the word. You've got to hear it and hear it and hear it and hear it. So confess, believe, and accept. Where does faith come from? By hearing the word of God. So I grew up hearing that there was faith, that we all have a measure of faith, but not really knowing what that consisted of. So whenever I, you know, I was like, you know, I've got to have that kind of faith. I've got to have the faith that the, that the woman with the issue of blood had. And I, I started digging and I started reading the word and meditating on the word and, and getting my hands on material that could help me with that. Now, I'm not saying that you need to read everything that everybody's got out there, but you need, you need to be cautious about what you're reading. Amen. And who, you know, but as long as it goes with the word, then you should be in good shape. Now, I, I particularly don't read a whole lot um, past Pastor Nancy, Dr. Jacobs, and those in our company, besides John and Lisa Bevere. So, faith in action. P.C. Nelson, who was a Baptist minister, was in an automobile accident, and they told him that, he, that his leg was going to have to be amputated. And, and he said, as he lay in the bed, the verse of Scripture, James 5, 14 and 15, came to him. Is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he had committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. He said, Brother Hagin said, Dr. Nelson tried to excuse himself to the Lord by saying that they didn't practice that in his church. The Lord reminded him that he had four spirit-filled friends who believed in it, and he told Dr. Nelson to call them and come pray for him, and they came prayed for him, and he got healed completely. Mark 5, 34, where Jesus spoke to the woman with the issue of blood, he said, Daughter, thy faith have made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now, she had a part, and the, the Bible doesn't say how long it was before, from the time she heard until the time that she knew that Jesus was going to come through. But something, she had to have some time in there to build that faith. She didn't just, I don't believe she just heard that one time, well, that he'll heal you and that get in her like that much. Because I didn't hear it just one time and it get in me that much. I had to feed on it. I had to meditate on it. I had to have the Holy Spirit to help me, to teach me, to lead me and guide me and know that how I needed to pray, how I needed to believe. So when she said in her heart, kind of like I did whenever I came to, to the service on July the 29th, 2017, I was going to be healed or I wasn't going home. I said, I'm going and I'm going to be healed. I'm not leaving that place until I'm healed. So that kind of faith draws on the anointing. Well, her kind of faith drew, drew on the anointing. Jesus said her faith had made her whole, not necessarily just his power, but his power went from him because her faith drew it out. So our faith 
and the maturity of our faith draws on things. Faith, Pastor Debbie Simon said, faith is the vehicle. Let me see, let me get my note. I don't want to quote somebody and it be wrong. Faith is the vehicle of the spirit realm. So if faith is the vehicle of the spirit realm, then it, a vehicle drives and gets you from one place to the other. Faith is the access to healing, to prosperity, to whatever you need from God. Because if we don't have the faith to receive it, we're not going to get it. Now, what is faith? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is. And we all know that now means right now. So when this letter was written, it was written for now then, for now yesterday, for now today. Faith is not somewhere in the future. It's not somewhere in the past. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Moffat's translation describes it as this. Now faith means that we are confident of what we hope for, convinced of what we do not see. Another translation, faith is giving, this is my favorite, faith is giving substance to things hoped for. Still another translation, faith is the warranty deed. The warranty deed, the thing which we have finally hoped is at last ours. If I own a house and I had the deed to that house and I've, I don't owe the bank nothing, that is my house. It belongs to me. Just like whenever I got healed, my healing is mine. It belongs to me. It does not belong to anybody else. It doesn't belong to the enemy. Now, has he come and tried to steal it from time to time? Absolutely, because that's what he does. That's what he's supposed to do. But that's mine. I ain't letting him have it. That night, whenever I was laying on the floor, I come to, I woke up or from, I was, I was out in the spirit of the Lord. I'll just say that. I, I, had, to, I had to look around for a minute to figure out where I was at whenever I come back to. But whenever I come back to, my spirit said to myself, no devil in hell is going to steal your healing. And I thought, what in the world? I'd never heard anything like that. So I got up, and I stumbled back to the seat, and I looked at Diane, and I said, no devil in hell is going to steal my healing. And I said, no, I've never heard that before, but I heard that in my spirit whenever I was on the floor, so no devil in hell is going to steal my healing. That, mean, that doesn't mean he hasn't come and tried. But faith keeps him from having the ability to come and steal my healing. Just I don't know who I was talking to several weeks ago, but it may be, may have been Pastor Randy I was telling. You know, the devil will come in different ways to try to steal things from you that you have had faith to receive. You've received them. And this, of course, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But in October of 2017, about 2 o'clock in the morning, I was, went back, had gone back to work, and I was in my kitchen and still baking and still doing cakes for people. And I'd had a big order for that next day. And so 
it was a Sunday. I had planned on coming to church, and, and which I did, and the order was supposed to be picked up after church, but I had to have that done prior to church starting because I wasn't missing church. So at 2 o'clock in the morning, I was still up, and I was still trying to get these cakes baked and get them decorated for the next day. And all of a sudden, fibromyalgia was one of the things that the Lord healed me from. And all of a sudden, I had a pain to hit me right in the top of my head, and it went all over my body, out my fingertips and my toes, everything. Now, and it was fibromyalgia pain, and I know it was fibromyalgia pain because it was a widespread pain. It was that nerve-ending pain, that burning, that hurting, that ache that only somebody who has ever had fibromyalgia could experience and understand. And I said, God, what in the world is this? And I, it just came to me, just, this is the enemy. This is only a symptom. I rebuked that symptom. I said, devil, you are not stealing my healing. I am healed from fibromyalgia. I was healed on... July the 29th, 2017, and you're not stealing it today. In Jesus' name, I rebuke you. And in an instant, that all that pain was gone. Now, there's no doubt in my mind if I had have said, Oh, God, I just don't understand why this is upon me again. That would have been the open door for that to bend right back on me. Kind of like this procedure that I just had done, and I pastor read all of our um, text messages to you all. So I'm sure you remember that story from a couple weeks ago. It's okay. But I told him after that was all said and done, they came in and they said, oh, it's your pancreas. You had pancreatitis. We're sure you have pancreatitis. I said, no, I don't have pancreatitis. I'm just concerned about this knot, this pone on my belly. And they said, well, but you know you've had all these things, and we're going to check your blood, and we're going to do a CAT scan because we're sure you have pancreatitis. This is not pancreatitis pain. I don't have pancreatitis. I was healed from that. Remember, I was miraculously healed from that. And so they come back in a little while. They took my blood, and they said, oh, well, your blood levels are fine. I said, I expected that to be. I said, but my concern is this pone on my belly. That's what hurts. And they said, and then a few minutes later, the doctor comes back, and he's got this CAT scan report. Now, he won't let me look at it. I wish he had have, but he wouldn't let me look at it, but he read it, and he said, this says you have pancreatitis. You have acute pancreatitis, but your levels are good, so I don't understand all that. Now, I do know that with pancreatitis, sometimes your levels can be good and skyrocket in 12 hours. That's what happened the last time. But I said, that's because I don't have pancreatitis. This is not pancreatitis. So the surgeon comes in in a little while after he got done with the procedure, and he said, so, Misty, how do you treat pancreatitis for yourself? I said, well, I guess if I had pancreatitis, it would be treated the same way as treated for any other thing. I would not eat any, have anything by mouth. I would have IV fluids and IV pain meds to get me over the hump. But this is not pancreatitis. And he said, what makes you think that? And I said, well, I got this big bone on my belly. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, I got this big bone on my belly, and that's where the pain is. That, kinda, that hurts. And I said, I wasn't going to let him give me anything for pain, but the pain got really, really bad, and I just I couldn't 
bear it any longer. So I'll let him give me something for pain. He said, well, nobody told me about any of this. And I said, well, he said, let me look at it. So he looked at it. He went back and he got the ER doctor and he said, he brought the ER doctor back in there. He said, did you know about this? And he said, oh yeah, she showed it to me, but you know, she's got pancreatitis. And so the surgeon looked at me and, and of course, I, I know this surgeon. I worked with him in Somerset. I've worked with him since he's been at Russell County. He's an excellent surgeon. He looked at me and he said, uh, I'm going to go look at this CAT scan again. So he took the ER doctor and he went back and he said, I want you to pull out this CAT scan. He pulled up this CAT scan and he looked at it and he said, well, right here's the hole. Because I could see I was right here and the, the nurse's station thing is right there in the middle so I could hear everything. He said, well, right here's the hole in her belly. He said, that needs to be fixed. So he comes back and he says, well, Misty, you have a ventral hernia. I said, yeah, and it hurts. I kind of knew what it was. I knew it wasn't no pancreatitis. He said, you don't have pancreatitis. I said, thank you, I know that. He said, but what you do have wrong has to be fixed, so we're going to take you back to OR and we're going to fix this. Hopefully it's not anything really bad. If you don't have any bowel coming through that abdominal wall, then it'll be an easy fix. If you do, it'll be a little bit more. So went back to surgery. Um, he was, it was done in 15 minutes. He sewed up the abdominal wall. He put my belly back together and I didn't have, I just had glue. I mean, it was just a, a really simple surgery. But I told Pastor Randy, I said, well, I said, I'm going to tell you, of course, I was supposed to minister at the ladies' meeting that Saturday. On Tuesday night, the Lord had changed my message for that Saturday because that wasn't what I wanted to minister on on Saturday. But I, I finally gave in and said, okay, God, this is, this is what you want me to do. This is what I'll do. And then Wednesday night, Thursday morning, I get this big rip in my belly. Now the doctor's trying to say I have pancreatitis. I know I don't have pancreatitis. But if I, didn't, if I wasn't a faith person, and I'd allowed that the entrance of those words to take hold and them tell me, well, you got pancreatitis. Well, oh, God, this has come back on me again. Well, see, right then and there, I would have been back to square one because it would all been back on me. But through faith, knowing that I had been healed from that, it was a symptom, it was an attack of the enemy to rip my belly open, but it was without faith, it would have been pancreatitis. Praise God. Yes. There's a number of kinds of faith. Everyone saved and unsaved has natural, everyone unsaved has natural human faith and everyone saved has supernatural faith to a degree. There's a faith that believes with the heart and there's a faith that believes with the physical senses. The, the natural faith is the faith that believes with our senses. We have natural faith. We know that the sun is going to rise tomorrow somewhere. Even if it's cloudy, the sun's still there. That's natural faith. If I have a bill that needs to be paid and I need $1,000 to pay that bill and I don't have it, but I say it is there, 
that supernatural faith. Praise God. Faith grows out of the word of God. So that's head faith and heart faith. Have you ever heard anybody say, I believe the Lord can, but that's not faith. Or whenever I was growing up, people would say, well, I have to see it to believe it. I have to see it to believe it. And, you know, I've been guilty of that because I have a certain relative that says they're going to come, and then I'll say, well, I'll see it. I believe it when I see it because they never show up. And whenever they do show up, I say, well, Lord, forgive me because I didn't have the faith that they were coming. Amen. Well, that's Thomas' faith versus Abraham's faith. Thomas's faith said, I know Jesus is dead. I seen him get nailed to the tree. I seen him die. So you're telling me that he's alive. In order for me to believe that, I've got to see him. I've got to touch the nail scars in his hands. I've got to thrust my hand in his side. Then I'll believe that he has rose again. Whereas the Abraham faith, the Lord told him he's going to be the father of many nations, and he didn't have a son. He didn't have no kids, and he was old. But he believed the word of the Lord. And not only that, he was old, and Sarah was old, and they both wasn't going to produce nothing. But he had faith. It, whenever the Lord, whenever he finally got Isaac, and, he, and the Lord told him to sacrifice his only son, he didn't murmur and complain. He didn't say, God, I can't do that. God, I can't do that. He got his firewood and he got his sword or whatever it was that he was going to use to sacrifice his son. And he went up on the mountain and God provided, God provided the sacrifice. But Abraham had the faith that even if he had to kill him, he would raise him from the dead. So that's supernatural faith. That's the kind of, super, that's the kind of faith that we have to have to live this life. And I'm going to tell you, from, have, from living a life not based on faith, not living in faith because I didn't understand it, and living the life of faith, the faith life is the best life. There is no other life that is terrible to the faith life. I cannot imagine going back and not living by faith. I cannot imagine laying down every night worrying about what is going to come tomorrow or worrying over this or worrying over that. Worry is unbelief. It doesn't matter how you cut it. It is unbelief. Now, can we get caught up in that sometimes? Absolutely. Absolutely. Even the best of the best do because that's how the enemy comes. He comes to bombard your mind and get you over into the mental arena and get you out of the spiritual arena because he can beat you up in the mental arena. But you, get, you keep him in the spiritual arena and he can't do nothing. He will leave you alone as long as you're staying in the spiritual arena and staying in faith. Thomas had only a natural human faith which said, I am not going to believe unless I can see and feel. I want Abraham faith. I've got Abraham faith. I proclaim that over my life. I proclaim that over the lives of my children and my children's children. 
but too many of too many of the body of Christ had the Thomas faith. They want to see something before they can grasp that they have it. I have a house that the Lord showed me in my, in my mind about a year ago, maybe a little less than a year ago, and I'm believing for that house. I've never seen this house. I may have to draw it or something at, at some point, but I believe someday, I'm, I'm, I believe that is my house, or the Lord wouldn't show me that, and he wouldn't at certain times continue to show me that. I'm standing on the word, and I'm standing on faith for that house. And I love my house. It is not that I don't have a good enough house. I, I love my house, and I thank God for my house. But I also thank God for the one that's to come. Amen. Real faith simply says about oneself what the word says. Real faith is built on the word. We should meditate on the word, dig deeply into it, and feed upon it. The word becomes a part of us just as natural food becomes part of our physical bodies when we eat. What natural food is to the physical man, the word of God is to the spiritual man. The word builds confidence and assurance into us. Amen. Now, I'm going to go over this really, really quickly because I'm out of time. I didn't think I could talk that long. <laughs> the Lord showed me something a couple weeks ago, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a nugget of this, and then the next time I minister, I'll probably minister on the rest of it. If I had an acre of land, we're going to talk about cultivating our faith. If I had an acre of land, and I had a fourth of it, and Leslie had a fourth of it, and Bethany had a fourth of it, and Kenneth had a fourth of it, we're all going to cultivate that land differently. We have to mature our faith. It's, we're all, we all got the measure of faith, but we have to mature our faith. Well, if I, I love planting. I love plants. Whenever I was younger, I could not grow anything. Everything I got died. It did not matter. If a cactus died, you're not supposed to have to water those. Um, I got an airplane, my aunt gave me an airplane plant. I've always loved plants, but I couldn't grow nothing. I couldn't grow it. So a few years ago, I decided I lived in a house and it was all bland and the, and I thought, I'm going to landscape this. My, my mother can grow anything in rocks. She has 10 green thumbs and so does my daddy. And so did my grandma. So I'm thinking, well, you know, this has got to be hereditary to some degree. And I've always had black thumbs, but I believe I'm going to have a green thumb. So I started researching on how to plant, how to um, transplant, how to grow things, how to keep them growing and them not die. So the right nurture, the right care, the right water is what it takes, the right soil. The first thing that I learned whenever I started planting flowers and, and different things was, number one, 
you had to look at the plant and decide what plant it was, what kind of soil it needed to go into, how, how much sunlight it needed to get, did it need plant food or did it not need plant food, etc., etc. So then I took all the plants that I had in my mind that I wanted to put in my little landscape and I knew when, where the sun came up and I knew where the sun went down. So I knew where the sun was most of the day. So I put those plants right there in the middle where the sun, that needed sunlight all day long. And then I put some in the shade and some over here and some over here where it didn't get all light and everything grew and it was wonderful. But I had to do some research. Well, the word is our research on how to cultivate our faith and how to mature it and how to grow it. The washing of the water of the word. The revelation of the word. The right cultivation, weeding at the right time, planting at the right time, is all building blocks for maturing our faith. So if I'm really working on my faith and maturing my faith and, and living in joy and in peace, and that's one thing that Pastor Nancy says. She said, well, you'll know if you're in faith because you'll be in joy and peace, and you have to become skillful at that. And if you're not always enjoying peace, don't, don't fret about that because that means you're just building your faith. doesn't mean you're not in faith. You're just building it. But if I'm, if I'm doing what I need to do to build my faith, I'm going to have this nice grassy plot, a quarter plot of land. And it's going to be full and mature, and it's going to grow exactly the way it needs to grow. And then you can tell how everybody else's faith is by their plots of land. So if everybody's on the same, if everybody's on the same realm of faith, all of our land's going to look the same. Praise God. Faith is progressive. What you desire when you pray, believe you receive them. Pastor Debbie Simons, I'm going to leave you with this. Wouldn't our prayer life change if when we prayed about something, counted it done, and forgot about it? Believed it that much. If we prayed and believed, had enough faith that it was done, and then forgot about it. I'm going to leave you with, with one scripture, Hebrews 4, 1 and 2. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us all as well as to them, the Israelites. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. The word profits when you mix it with faith. The Israelites didn't enter the land of promise because they didn't mix it with faith. Because when they went out, they got on the other side and they walked in the wilderness in circles for 40 years because they complained about this or that or the other. 
They didn't mix what they had heard with faith, and they lost on the promise. So let's mix the word with faith. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the word spoken. We thank you for faith. We thank you that you have given us the measure of faith and that you've given us your word that we can build on that faith and that our faith can become strong and mature and that we can be skillful in joy and peace, that we can have access to you through our faith. In Jesus' name. That faith is the conduit. Faith is the source of answered prayer. All we have to do is believe it. We thank you. We praise you for this, Father. Lord, we, as we go tonight, we thank you that you're going to take us all home safely. In Jesus' name.